Today we have Karen Winfield on the show. Karen Winfield is Global Operations Director of PD Training, an international training business headquartered in Brisbane in Australia. Karen runs a team of 300 trainers across Asia and further afield, and she has kindly agreed to give us time this morning to tell us how she's grown the training business to date. This is episode eight of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark Garrett Hayes. I'm your host of this podcast. And as I say every week, this is the podcast for you, for training business owners, professionals all around the world. And the goal of this show and each week's episode, in fact, is to help you to start to grow and to scale your training business. Today's guest is Karen Winfield. Global Operations Director of PD Training based in Brisbane in Australia, where Karen's speaking to us from live this morning. So without further ado, let's meet Karen. Karen, hi. Thanks for coming on the program. Thanks, Mark. Good to be here. You're based in Brisbane, Australia. How is life down under this morning? Oh, pretty sensational. It's a, a fine early morning, a Tuesday morning, and we're well and truly getting on with uh, it's a new financial year here in Australia. Uh, so it's a busy time of year. Okay. Uh, wh- what does that mean exactly? Yeah. So what that means in the, for a training industry is that the end of financial year is a massive rush. A lot of companies like to release their funds before the end of financial year. And then for the new financial year, it's all the planning of what they're going to do with their new round of funding. Okay. I was training um, in the South Pacific, including Papua New Guinea and Samoa in 2015. And I was very fortunate to spend a few days in Brisbane before making the trip back to Europe. Uh, For the little time I was there, Brisbane struck me as a a really great city and very livable. What's it like to run an international training business from Brisbane? Yeah, good question. We uh, Brisbane's probably classified as a very small uh, city compared to the likes of Sydney and Melbourne and if we were to have a head office in Singapore or America. But I suppose what's very fortunate for us, because we are a small city, that it's very easy to travel. So therefore, you know, your staff do want to come to the city to work. And so therefore, we have a close-knit team. And what we found previously, we weren't based in the city, we were based out of the city. And we found that a lot of us were working from home, which is, you know, good to have a flexible work environment, but it's always good to connect again and get back face to face. So we have a lot more of connection time here in our head office team. Okay. And how did you personally become involved in training, Karen? Yeah, if I was to go back way back, uh, 20 plus years where I started, I started off as an accountant and my first role was an assistant accountant. And we deployed a new accounting package called ACPAC. And now this is showing my age because it no longer exists. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the company that deployed it uh, could see that I had quite an interest in it. And I became a bit of a spokesperson in the workplace and I was educating and helping the rest of the team. And that company then said, would I like to go and join them and become a trainer? So pretty well much, you know, my first year out of university, I moved into the, the training sphere as such and I became an ACPAC or an accounting package trainer. 
And then it moved on from there. You know, IT was a big, you know, it was back in the IT days before the the 2000s. So there was a lot of uh, requirement for IT training. So I moved into IT training and then I worked on projects. And I always found that I became the trainer. And uh, when I was based in the UK for quite a few years and I was a project manager and we were working, I was working for the Kanegi group. And I always found, even though I was a project manager, the part that I loved was the training aspect. And at that point in time, it was just a small part. When I came back to Australia, I decided that it was time to to take my small bits and pieces of being a trainer into being a full-time trainer. And so, therefore, I was lucky enough to be thrown into a role where I was a, a trainer of a different topic five days a week. And I did that for a good few years before I decided that I didn't find that to be the right model for a trainer, to be a jack of all trades and not a specialist, and thought one day I'm going to have a training organization where I'm going to utilize training specialists to do the training. Are you one of the founders of the company? I am, correct. Okay, so you're currently Global Operations Director, according to your uh, LinkedIn profile, which is where I came across you. What exactly does that entail? Yeah, I'm a lucky one. So not only do I love training, I also love traveling. And so therefore, my role is to engage trainers globally. So we started in Australia eight years ago, and we're fortunate that one of our first employees was American, and they moved back to America and said, you need to bring PD training over to America. So us being very green and naive went, sure, why not? If we can do it in Australia, we can do it in America. And so, uh, and plus it's a place I like to travel, so let's put it on the radar. And then from there, after testing the model in a new country, we knew it was very doable. And so then we started to set up in the likes of Singapore, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Philippines, and recently uh, in the UK. We found once you could do it once, the model was just replicatable. Uh, So with technology nowadays, uh, for me to find a global network of trainers, I do find to be quite easy. I wouldn't have been able to do it 20 years ago. Um, Technology has allowed us to to work from one office and manage another country in another time zone. So technology has really helped us become where we're at today. But my role as Global Operations Director means that I get to go to the new countries. I Ah, set them up. Very nice. (laughs) This is the fun part. (laughs) I set them up. And I then find all the trainers to be in our in our network, get them onboarded and understand our processes and our course material and get them to work on behalf of PD training. Right. And how many trainers, coaches or consultants work with PD training? Yeah, at the moment, we'd have a couple of hundred. Now, a couple of hundred means that there's probably a hundred that would see us as their number one provider. So in Australia, we would have quite a few trainers that would do four to five days a week with us. And then, you know, then you'd have the next hundred that might get, you know, one to two days a week. And then you might have the next hundred that might get one a month or one every quarter. Right. And where are they typically from? We utilize trainers locally. So for instance, in Australia, in Brisbane, if I've got a client in Brisbane, I will use the Brisbane trainer first. Doesn't mean to say we won't travel, um, but we always say that trainers are good at training, not good at traveling. And they like to get paid and they get paid for training rather than traveling. (laughs) So we use... uh, local trainers as much as possible. So therefore in Singapore, when we've got Singapore clients, it's Singapore trainers. Okay. And is it tricky managing so many trainers across so many locations? Uh, Yes and no. We have different operations team members managing the trainers. For the, the tricky part is making sure that we have the right trainer for the right client. 
and the trainer with the right background and the trainer with the right experience. So we're forever looking for more trainers to join our network. And the more trainers that come on board, then it's making sure that our sales team are familiar with them. So it's just making sure that we're all on top of who are our trainers and in what country and what's their expertise. Okay, so I think we'll come back to uh, the trainers and what you look for later on in the conversation. Let's focus for a moment on your business. What does PD training, uh, to give it its full title, professional development training, actually do? Excellent. Well, we deliver your business skills materials. So, for instance, it could be communication skills, time management, emotional intelligence, leadership, supervising others. We um, deliver, I think there's over 200 courses we have on our um, offerings. However, we would have about a top 30 that we find no matter what country we go to, we have a top 30 set of core skills that professionals are looking for. Our course materials are built around a psychometric profiling tool called LDP, Leaning Dimensions Profile. And what's quite unique for us PD training is we own that psychometric profile. We have joined forces with the creator, Professor Doug Waldo, who's based in the US, and we have built that into our course materials. So we're in a very fortunate position, which I believe is ahead of other training organisations, where we can steer the research and development of our psychometric profiling tool in accordance with culture, in accordance with um, evolvement, and therefore our materials is built around that, so it can, it's continually evolving as well. Right. You mentioned that um, PD training is in operation eight years, is that right? Correct, yes. Okay, what's the journey been like so far? Oh, it's been a big one. Uh, lots of learnings along the way. Uh, lots of interesting facets, uh, lots of personal um, learnings as well. I, I think that when you start off in a business, you have you're so full of energy and nothing can go wrong, and and it's full of excitement, right? Because everything's new. Then when you get given an opportunity like taking it to America when you're only about 18 months old, you jump at these opportunities. It's a new shiny thing. Why not? We can do it. And you don't, and because you've got the energy at the time, you don't really realize the impact that's having on your, your original vision of what you are trying to achieve like we were in Australia. So we got a little bit sidelined and our um, mind was stretched too far. We still are learning our own processes. We're still learning who our target market is. We're still getting our systems in place. So therefore, going to something new was probably too soon. So I think about two to three years into the business, myself and my business partner, Paul Finlay, well, I'll speak from my self um, perspective right now, I probably had massive burnout because it was a new baby. And when you have a new baby, you don't sleep until it sleeps. So for the first two years, I was probably working seven days a week, night and day. And at this stage, we'd already taken on America. So we were literally doing night and day. We were the staff managing the American inquiry. And so therefore, you can imagine you go through that burnout phase and then you go, okay, we've got to work out what's our core of it again. And so then we had to scale back and then we scaled back to having a satellite in the US and not an office and having our core focus back on Australia because it was still growing rapidly and we needed to make sure we were servicing it appropriately. Once we got that into place and we, we brought our focus back to being, you know, very uh, streamlined, then we got our processes in place. Then we started hiring the right people to help us and we started to slow down to get everything right and then we started to grow into the Asian market. So I think that 
you know, you, you, you go fast, you get a big learning that probably knocks your socks off a little bit that takes you, gets you to stop and think, slow down, get your processes and systems right again, and then go into the next leap. So that's um, been a massive learning curve for me to to sometimes say no, and waiting is the right thing to do. Okay, um, and your your website indicates that PD training is. Let me just read this out. Uh, a New Zealand business partner, that's New Zealand government business partner, a Singapore registered government supplier, a Queensland. Uh, which is a region in Australia, uh, government-approved supplier, a human resources development fund, Malaysia supplier. Without giving confidential information away, what kind of work might a trainer be doing working with clients such as these? It can be a full range. It, I indicated before we have probably about a top 30 courses. So when we start to partner with companies like that you've indicated, it's not necessarily taking that course off the shelf or that course off the website. When we're partnering, they're partnering with us for us to go in and potentially develop materials specifically for them based off what they've seen on the outline on the website. But we're partnering with them for a, a year, two years, three years. So they're looking for a range of our products, but developed to be specifically for them internally. Right. You mentioned there's a top 30, right? Right now and, and you know that really makes me curious in because i get all kinds of opinions on this what is hot or in demand right now in the training space from your perspective karen okay communication skills and emotional intelligence is always there in australia our number one at the moment which is at the forefront of every conference that you go to and it's resilience having the ability to be resilient. So let's define resilience, uh, <laughs> just to give you a brain teaser on, on uh, Tuesday morning. Yeah, I find it interesting because I've got three young children in primary school and everything's about resilience. And I think they're less resilient now than they ever have been. And it's the ability to bounce back in a fast-changing um, world. You know, here in PD training, we're still a small team. We're a global operation, but we're a team of 25. And you, you, we're changing because the business owners, myself and Paul, are working in the business every day. We have the ability to change and you've got to change. You've got to adapt. And if your team can't come with you on that journey, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link in the team. And so we need to make sure they can bounce back when something goes wrong. We need to know that they can step up when we want to make that change. So resilience for us, we're for, we've got our own material and we've got a training course happening today here for the internal team called PPA, which is Productive People Advantage. And a lot of the course material is based about being resilient, being resilient, being mindful in the workplace, having some gratitude, all of those attributes you know, not only create a uh, happier life for an individual, but it also creates you with a skill set to be able to work in the ever-changing uh, world that we're in at the moment. Do you think that resilience is in any way linked to a specific personality type? Uh, and the reason I ask that is because I'm a big fan of uh, a pretty well-known tool called 16 Personalities, uh, which in turn is based upon uh, the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Do you think that uh, resilience, I know it's a hot topic, but is that something which is innately found in a specific person or profile? And that's a good question. And I think it depends on circumstances sometimes because I find myself to be a very resilient uh, individual. I would say I'm quite a bit of a driver and, you know, I'm used to getting the knockback. So therefore I'm used to going, well, I'm going to prove you wrong and try again. Um, so I have that 
innate resilience ability. But there'll be some times when, you know, a certain circumstance will knock me and I, I don't find I have that same level of resilience. So I would, this is just a personal perspective, and I think some personality types have the ability to bounce back easier than others. And, you know, from some of the trainings that I've delivered and I had the opportunity to deliver resilience recently, and I was surprised out of 25 in the group, I could kind of pick from the communication and the body language, et cetera, that I was hearing from them. I reckon I could pick from them as to who was more resilient uh, than others. So therefore, I do think it's a, an innate, um, we're born with it. We can learn it, um, but I think we're born with a certain level of it. Or maybe it's just that uh, experience kind of shapes that in some people. People literally bounce back or they they don't, I suppose. But um, it, it's a very important skill, isn't it, uh, in this day and age, given the demands that uh, professionals are put under with all kinds of things drawing on their attention every day. For sure. Agree. Looking at your website again, um, you've got something on there called a three-hour power training session. W- would you care to explain exactly what that is? Yes, yeah, certainly. Traditionally, training was always one day, two day, three day. However, with a competing market in regards to having maybe less team members to perform more tasks, we're not always in a position, or companies aren't always in a position to have their whole team off for a day. And To be honest, sometimes a whole day worth of training, you're probably only getting maybe three hours of full attention from an individual. So the three-hour power sessions is built on that, meaning that we're going to give you three hours, sharp interaction. That means it's high energy, high impact, and therefore we're hoping to get the best return for you and your company. And also knowing that, you know, you're not having your whole team or certain members of your team away from the office for a full day. Right. So it's, it's a form of kind of um, micro learning, I guess. Uh, micro learning still, no, I wouldn't say micro learning. No, uh, no uh, because they're still getting the, the depth of knowledge required. But yeah, in essence, in a short and shorter time frame, but they might just be splitting up a two day course over four uh, half day sessions. But it's just whatever can fit in with the competing needs of a business. So we just have to be more adaptable now than ever. Right. So an organization might, uh, I don't know, let's say take three hours in a particular subject and then the following day take three hours and something allied to that. Is that how that works? Could, could, yeah, could definitely be like that. Okay. Um, something else which uh, struck my, or rather, um, struck my fancy, if that's the phrase, is, is fish, fish team building. What exactly is fish team building? You haven't heard of it? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Okay. Um, so you're taking me back a bit. Fish is a, a, a team building product that was created in the 80s, I believe. Oh, dear. In, um, Seattle. <laughs> okay. 80s and 90s in Seattle. So it is quite. Um, I'm going to say Thai because it's still got a massive uh, following. It's American. It was built in Seattle. And what happened is you had, I'm not sure if you've been to Seattle, but they had a fish market, I think on the sixth floor of this um, building. And you, all you're doing is working in fish blood and guts and smell all day. And so they decided, well, if we're coming to the workplace every day, I, I'm going to choose to be happy. So it's built around four elements and you're, you're testing me and I don't have the website up. One is to, to choose to be happy. One is to, to be there for others. And now I can't, 
in, it's okay. Remember, <laughs> Don't worry. It's all right. to have fun. Um, but it, <laughs> and what they do is it, it's now become a tourist attraction. People go there and what happens if you might yell out, I'll have one pike, and the people behind the counter, the employees would go, oh, one pike to the lady in yellow up the back. And they'd all yell out one pike to the lady in the yellow up the back. And so then the person closest to the pike would pick the pike up, throw it to another staff member, and then throw it out to the lady in the yellow. And if she catches it, they ring the bell and it's all a big yahoo. But it was all about having fun in the workplace. So the more you have fun in the workplace, the more you're going to want to be there. Um, and the, the quicker the time flies and the job gets done. Okay, so I'm going to include that uh, definitely in the show notes uh, for people listening to this. And I'm really going to find out more about that because that intrigues me. Um, I also came across on Vimeo, which is a really uh, good um, video hosting platform, something called the Fast Five Series, where my first impression was that you showcase some of your trainers. And, and that's very interesting. What is the Fast Five series all about? Yeah, good question. As a trainer, when I was a contract trainer myself, I found that I very much worked by myself. As a contract trainer, you're competing against every other trainer in the in the state or the country or the world, and no one wanted to share. And so to learn, I had to go and do all the research myself. So as now the Global Operations Director with access to many, many trainers, and I want my trainers to be educated. I want them to continually grow and, and learn professional development. And so I created the Fast Five series. It's five questions to ideally be answered in five minutes. However, as you can see, as a trainer, we like to talk and therefore the five minutes may get extended. But it's the same five questions to every trainer. Some of them are PD training trainers and some of them aren't. And the five questions are based around a particular topic that they like to deliver. So it could be, you know, communication skills. And the five questions are, you know, why do people come on this course? Um, what icebreaker do you use? Uh, what model do you like? What activity? And is and is there anything else that you find that you deliver that makes your training a success? So the idea is trainers are sharing their knowledge to help other trainers, knowing that you can also go and watch these Fast Five videos and you can learn from other trainers across the globe. That's brilliant. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I'm quite excited. I've done over 30 now and I, I'll get to probably 50 or 100 by the end of the year. I'll continue videoing them. Uh, at first, some trainers can be reluctant going, why would I want to share my knowledge with someone else? And I go, funnily enough, I used to be the same, but no one has the same knowledge as you. And it doesn't matter how much you share or, you know, it doesn't matter how much you share, they still can't deliver it the same way as you. They don't have the same magic. Um, out of some of the ones I've done, there's a particular activity that I found very interesting and I didn't know it. And three of the Fast Five trainers have shared the exact same activity, but they all did it totally different. So, you know, and I just find that fascinating that we, as a trainer, that my understanding now is the more I share, the more I learn. And so the more I can encourage my trainers to share and be open about it, they'll find that they'll have other trainers be willing to share back. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the sentiments I had behind starting this podcast. Uh, as a trainer, close on 17, nearly 18 years now, um, I thought there must be there must be things I can learn from other people. So one of the motivations I had for starting this podcast was to literally do that, to democratize 
uh, trainer knowledge to get other trainers on the show, to get learning and development uh, experts like yourself on the show and say, you know, what is it that's out there? What is working for people? What are they doing differently? Because I find even just sitting in someone else's class for a day, I come away with copious notes. I'm really struck by the number of things I don't know or the things I think, hey, I thought that was the way to do it, but someone else has a completely different angle on that particular thing. Yep, totally agreeing. Your website states that you're also um, always looking for the very best specialist trainers. And we mentioned this early on in the conversation. What kind of specialists are you looking for precisely? Yeah, so the the easiest way to identify um, what specialists we're looking for would be starting with our top 30 courses because they're the ones in, in the, the, the most need. And to identify the top 30s, we have what we call our signature series. And they're a new range, not a new range of course topics. It would still be your time management communication skills. But it's new course material that's been written and it's built around a reflective practice. And so, therefore, if I, the top 30, they're the top 30 skills I'd be looking from a trainer. Then when I go out to the market, it's usually because that a need has arisen. But if I was going out to the, to the market looking for a blanket set of trainers, I, the key thing is their um, background, where they have worked. So if they're a leadership trainer, where have they been a leader and what experience they've had there? Because the, the best trainers are the ones that can share experiences. You know, we, we can all be a, a textbook deliverer, but we need the experiences. We need the real world stuff to, to get the information to come across. And so that's the background information that I look for. When I do my interviewing process, we've got a 10-step process and you can find it on our website. And majority of all my investigation work is done before I get the opportunity to interview them. I don't want to waste my time uh, spending an hour interviewing them when I could have spent 30 minutes looking on the internet and finding out so much information about individuals, which is quite scary, but it's also quite effective from my perspective, when you can find out that already before having that face-to-face conversation. So by the time I get to interview someone, I'm 95% sure they're already a caliber of a PD training trainer. And the, the final touches is just getting that, that warmth of having that connectivity um, when I do that face-to-face interview. So mainly is their experience, their background experience in the workplace, in the corporate environment, then how much experience they've had as a trainer. And then sometimes it comes down to why do they want to partner with PD? How much work do they want with us? Uh, have they been successful as their own contractor or are they coming to us because they're not successful? And that can play a part as to whether they're going to be a success for us as well. Okay, let's flip that around for a moment. Um, from a trainer's perspective, why would a trainer want to work with you with PD training? What's your sales pitch? Yeah, I haven't asked any trainers that recently. Uh, what I what I find after they have been with us, if I speak from Australia, we, we've got a quite a good brand name. So our trainers bring their fellow colleagues to come to us. And the reason being that I find out is because we're very smooth system-wise, we're very technology-based, and therefore the communication to our trainers is always up to date. They have all the information. As a contract trainer, you can be the third wheel and be missed out and just be told to go and, you know, sit and do the training. We don't treat our trainers like that. They're a part of our network. Therefore, they have all the notes that we've spoken with the client. They have just as a good relationship with the clients as we do. Um, they're involved in the they're not involved in the sales process but they do speak with the client prior to doing their delivery so we incorporate them as much as possible so I think the trainers like that 
feeling a part of a team and the technology that we use and that we pay very quickly. Um, once you've done your job, you get paid. We're not going to wait, you know, 30 days, 60 days to pay someone. Um, when I was a contract trainer, I knew that I was good at training. Um, I didn't want to spend my time, you know, doing debt collection or all this other paperwork. I just want to have all the materials at hand and I, I wanted to go in and train. So we're setting them up to be the good trainer that they are. Right. And then is there any kind of instructional design work involved in that as well or is it just purely delivery? It, it can be. And that's on a client-by-client client basis. I would say 80% of our work is tailoring of our standard materials and then the other 20% is customising for the client. But we also have our own in, in um, internal designer here uh, that will do the instructional design. Okay. So let's imagine that someone uh, is, is quite keen on the idea of getting in touch with uh, PD training to start the application process. Let's just simplify this. Do they go to their URL? Do they contact you on LinkedIn? What is the process that you would like them to go through to start the ball rolling? Yeah, they can come to me at any angle because I love hearing from them. The best way though is to go to our website and there's quite a few websites. So if you're looking at uh, the UK, it's pdtraining.co.uk. Go to the Work For Us page and down the very bottom, there is a link which will indicate, you know, to become a contract trainer for PD. And the idea I like you to go there is because you it, it's quite a detailed form to complete, but that provides me with a lot of depth of knowledge of you. So it'll indicate what your skill set is, um, what your industry knowledge is, you know, what backgrounds you have. And so I get a full feel from you um, before I start my investigation work. Okay. And then having passed that hurdle, what's the next step in the process? Uh, yeah. So... Once that's up in our system, I, it gets highlighted to me and my team. If it's a, a skill set that we're needing immediately, you're lucky enough that we'll reach out to you on the spot. If it's not, then it's a come as, come need type of purpose. It depends on per country. However, at the moment, what I'm aiming to do is doing a, a four times a year uh, induction or four times a year interview and then onboarding process. And so therefore it's one each quarter and we're into the third quarter now. So I'll be looking through every country and seeing if there's any new uh, trainers that have completed that online form that would be uh, fitting what we're looking for. And then I'd reach out to them and start the onboarding pro or start the interview process. Is there any kind of... Um uh, part of the application process, which involves video, um, you know, face to face with you, or even meeting if they're locally uh, in the area. Yeah, so there's two parts to that. So there is a 10 minute video that must be provided, which gives us a lot of that um, information, names, country that you're in, what your background is, what your expertise is, what industry knowledge you have. And the purpose for that is not only for whoever's going to do the interview, but once you, let's say you do get through to be a PD training trainer, that video is used internally. So therefore your salesperson that works in your country and your operations person that works in your country gets to review that video. And therefore they've had that little bit of it um, because let's say they don't do the interviewing, they don't, get, they miss an element of of connection and therefore that video is helping them to understand that trainer a little bit better and helps them to assign them. So that's one video that we do and there is always a face-to-face. Face-to-face whether it is you know, face-to-face -face, uh, in my office, face-to-face -face via Skype, but there must be a face-to-face -face before there's any um, 
tick of approval that you're now a PD training trainer. So final question, Karen. Um, I'm just conscious of your time. What is the next couple of years going to bring then for you and for PD training looking into the future? Yeah. Okay. So uh, the LDP is very exciting for us. And that was, we went into partnership with them at the beginning of this year. And so we're really looking at taking that globally. Uh, on the back of that, we have created an institute called the orgdevinstitute.co, which you can have a look at, which is a membership-based product which gives you access to industry knowledge around the HR space. It gives you access to the profiling tool. It gives you access to some free training. Um, but it's built around, you know, it's not just a membership where you find out information and what's happening in the HR world. We're building a more robust um, product for the HR people, which I recommend anyone to go and have a look. That's orgdevinstitute.co. And so we're looking at promoting that and PD training is a byproduct of the OrgDev Institute. Okay, well, I'm going to put uh, all those links to uh, the sites we've mentioned and the resources we've mentioned in the show notes for um, today's episode. Um, any final thoughts for anyone out there who perhaps is not yet a trainer, but is thinking, you know what, I fancy the idea of coming out of industry and becoming a trainer. Um, perhaps they're not yet ready for something like PD training, but uh they're nonetheless, you know, intrigued about the idea of taking their expertise, their work experience over the years and jumping into the training industry. What would you say to them? Yeah, if, if they're not a massive risk taker, I would say uh, dip your toe in the water and put yourself out there and go and do a delivery. I remember when I um, dipped my toe in the water and became a full-time trainer as such, you know, I had to do a lot of preparation, a lot of hard work, but I loved it. So so that's what, you know, you, you really need to love it because you're on show every time you stand up in front of a group, you know, you're either going to get booed or clapped and, and <laughs> it's up to you. Yeah. And so, and you're only ever as good as your, your last show. So you've got to have a lot of energy and you've got to be prepared to do more than what the manual stipulates. The manual's never going to bring the, bring the training alive. You and your personality and your experience share is. Uh, outside of that, I'm always willing to interact with someone to to give them my background and share some experiences if they're that sort of interest and in, in to connect them with people in my network. Another one I'll give you as my last uh, closing part, Mark, is that PD Training is hosting a conference in November. You need to come to Australia for it uh, in at the Gold Coast the 9th and 10th of November. And there's a lot of tools based in there to help trainers and also HR managers. And it's showcasing the LDP profiling tool and where we're taking it to, which is, you know, we used to talk about you had to have your IQ, which is your, you know, your your intelligence, and then you had to have your EQ, which is your emotional intelligence. Now we're talking about your RQ, which is your reach quotient. How far and wide can you inspire, touch others to, to, to follow and work with you. So it's not about your your intelligence or your emotional intelligence. Now it's your ability to reach others. And to influence them. Karen, it's been wonderful talking to you this morning. Many thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Mark. Karen, thank you for your time this morning and speaking to us live from Brisbane in Australia. And to you, our listeners, on this week's episode, thanks for taking the time to listen to the show again it's always great to know there are people out there and we welcome your comments and emails as always make sure you subscribe to the show for training business talk 
every single Thursday. Leave a rating on Apple Podcasts because this helps us to promote the show and to attract the kinds of guests like Karen, whose tips and business advice can help you with your training business. You can check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, and of course, on our website, www.trainingbusiness.com. You know the score by now. So until next week, until next Thursday, have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.